Hey, this is the Mountain Park Church Podcast. My name is Andrew. I'm one of the pastors here, and I'm super thankful. Wherever you're listening to this from, I'm super thankful to be spending these few minutes with you. In just a minute, I'm going to pass it off to our guest from this past weekend in part three of this Rekindle series. And I, uh, before I do that, I just want to remind you, um, as a church, we take some time at the end of every year to talk about what we believe God's heart is for our church in the coming year. Uh, would even use the word prophetic word for our church in the coming year. This is something we have been praying into for months and months, and we believe that Uh, the heart of God for Mountain Park, for your life and for my life in this coming year uh, is to rekindle the flame and the fire of his presence in our life. And simply put, uh, his presence in your life and uh, igniting the flame and fire of his presence is the most important thing that you and I can do in the coming year. And so this series is dedicated to speaking to that and to doing our best to provoke that in ourselves. Along with that, we have a couple of kind of highlight pieces for us coming up. Um, On December 11th, we have our giveaway offering. And that's an offering, like the name suggests, that we completely give away. We give away the whole offering over the last five years since we started this, we've been able to give away over $144,000 to, uh, we've given some to local pastors in this area, to um, local missionaries, to people in our own church family who have needed help. And, um, you know, each year we pray and ask God for direction and where to give that. And we're excited again, um, in another week and a half to be able to give totally away an offering as the Holy Spirit leads us. And I want to just remind you to be praying about that, about what God would want to invite you to contribute into that. The second thing is on December 18th, that's our year-end offering. And that's an offering um, in faith for the growth and expansion of the ministry calling of our church. We've been uh, investing those offerings in fixing up our building. It's a pretty old building that we're in. And so we've been fixing up for the purpose of engaging in a greater measures of ministry inside the building. We've been investing some uh, into ministry and into other things like that. But I just want to call you and challenge you to to begin asking, if you haven't already, begin asking the Holy Spirit what he would want you, if you're connected to our church, to give above and beyond your tithe. It's not the amount that matters, it's faithfulness and obedience, like you're about to hear uh, from Doug in part three of this Rekindled series. So um, without further ado, I want to pass you off to Doug. I hope you have an amazing week. See you next week. It's great to be here. And I thank you, Andrew and Brenda, for the invitation. I know sometimes 
Having a new speaker here is kind of a, a risky proposition, so I'll, I'll do my best not to let your uh, worst fears come true. Um, as I was preparing, uh, I really felt the Lord wanted to give me a word of encouragement for you. So I'm going to read it, and then we'll get into the rest of the talk, okay? Uh, I commend you in the name of the Lord, and I, would, I believe you'd have me say to you, he's pleased with the people of this church, and his favor rests on you. You have shown compassion and kindness without discrimination. You have walked in the gentleness and love of Christ. You have been faithful, and he delights in your heart. And I bless you in the name of the Lord. I bless you with uncommon favor. I bless you with protection in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. May peace and joy cover this body. Amen. So last time I was here, I was asked to sit on the stage and talk about money. Here, I've been asked a little bit to talk about money. And it reminds me of that story of the pastor who got up and one morning he preached about money. And he was standing at the back door on the way out. One guy goes, hey, pastor, that was not preaching. No? That was meddling. Okay? So hopefully you don't think that this is meddling. So what I want to do is I want to just build the bridge between the discussion we had, I think it was in the spring, on money, and then into the story behind that. Okay? So in uh, just a bit of background, I grew up in a Christian home. We were poor, we were always poor, living in a basement apartment, three sisters in a small, it felt like the size of this stage, right, downstairs. Um, that was my background, money was always a trigger for me, at a point of real vulnerability. And um, uh, I was, as I started to grow in the Lord, something never changed, it was always that point of contention about insufficiency and not enough, right? I married Nancy, where's Nancy? Nancy's over here. She has been my rock and she's helped me through a lot of stuff in my life. Um, together we've, we have a family, we have three children who are married with, um, and between them 10 and a half grandkids. So, um, so it's been a productive time. Um, but we, we have our own business and in, October 2004, we were kind of at that point where I'd have to call Nance and say, hey, honey, I gotta, I gotta put gas in the car. Is there enough room on my credit card to do that? You know? And then she'd go away and scurry around and make sure there's room on the car to do that. I don't know if anybody has ever lived like that, but what a horrible way to live, right? Um, and then we heard the teaching by um, Robert Morse on f- giving first fruits. So it was late October, and we, we had taken a decision, you know, we're going to start tithing. And for us, it was off gross revenues in our business. That's what we started with. And see what happens. Right? Now, uh, end of October, so this is, what, 18 years ago, last month about this time of the month, we were sitting there, we go, okay, we have a choice. We can either pay the rent or we can tithe. We can't do both. And we looked at each other and we decided, you know what we're gonna do? We're gonna tithe. Because if our business can't support a tithe, it's not a business, right? And so we did that. Seven days later, the money came in. 
to pay the rent. And in November, same thing happened. We had enough money to either pay the rent or tithe. We said, look, in for a penny, in for a pound, what we're going to do is we are going to tithe. Three days later, the money for the rent came in. And an amazing thing then happened over the next period of time. We never had to worry about paying the rent again. Right? And I kept a little score pad and I just kept writing down each month and it was increasing revenue. Now it didn't go like that forever. Right? There were still times when the Lord needed to heal my heart on the finances. But he did that. Now, um, I, I want to talk to you just a little bit. You have two offerings coming up, right? And these are significant times for you to walk in obedience. So one of the first things I want to talk to you about is, just briefly, is we don't need revelation in order to be obedient to Scripture. Okay? Scripture says give. We don't need the Lord to tell us to give, right? In fact, if we don't give, we're walking in disobedience. I mean, that's not comfortable for everybody, but Scripture is clear. Giving is a requirement, right? And we don't give, yes, I didn't do the giving with a motivation of receiving, okay? So the other thing, it was a really significant commitment we were making, and you might be stirred over the next little while to make a significant commitment in the giving, okay? Now, I want to caution you on this. Um, Nancy and I, when we did this, we looked at it and we said, you know what? We are working on this out of a strong conviction together, okay? I didn't get up in the middle of the night and say, oh, I gotta go do this and then went and did it. Her and I talked about it, we prayed about it, we felt the Lord increasing our desire to do it, and we did it together, okay? So if you are walking in that area, into the realm where you say, you know, this upcoming season, we are going to make a significant, life-impacting um, decision, make sure that you seek wise counsel. Go to the elders of the church, ask the elders, say, this is what the Lord's putting on our heart, would you help us to discern that this is right, okay? We have seen so many instances where personal revelation has been wrong, either in timing or execution, and people have been hurt badly by it, okay? And the other thing is, Nancy and I were prepared to live with the consequences of that, right? We were prepared going into it to say, we could lose our business over this. We could lose our house over this. But you know what? We're going to anyway. Because that's what we, we believe the Lord's calling us to do it. So we're, no matter what the outcome was, we were going to walk in that direction. Does this make sense to you? So when you set your heart to do it, it wasn't done, we, we didn't do it with the expectation of an outcome. We didn't do it with the expectation that the Lord would open the floodgates of heaven and increase our bank account. We did it out of obedience and a calling to do that. So as you're doing this, as you're considering this, keep that in mind, okay? It should come out of a strong conviction, number one. And number two, um, be prepared to live with the consequences because you're doing it not out of an expectation of an outcome, right? This is just obedience. So I thought it would be helpful. Um, I have 75 pages of notes here, so <laughs> amen. Preach it, brother, right? Um, 
I want, I thought it'd be helpful just to, to talk a little bit about the story behind that story, okay? So let me ask you a question. If you were just to be um, totally candid with yourself, how would you rank your spiritual life today, right? Where, where, would, you, where would you measure that? So there's a verse that has lit up my life for 25 plus plus years. And that's John 10.10, where Jesus said, I have come that you could have life, and what, have it more abundantly, right? I heard a great uh, interpretation of that, and it was, I have come that you could have life, and have life the way God intended life to be lived, right? I have come that you could have life, and have life the way God intended life to be lived. Well, I'll tell you, I had a, uh, a spiritual crisis almost 25 years ago. I was active in the church, I was on leadership, I was teaching, I could tell you doctrines and theology as good as anybody. I knew my Bible, I knew it all. I was on prayer teams, I was looked up at as a very mature believer. But I had a crisis. And I was driving home one day, and this question came to me. If Jesus Christ sat in the front seat of the car beside me, would I know him? Right? Would I know him? And I got to tell you, like, and here's the guy, I'm like a leader in the church. The answer was no. I wouldn't know him. I'd know about him. I'd know about his miracles. I'd know about the doctor. But I wouldn't know him. And, and you know, it caused a bit of a stir. As you could imagine, here's a person who professes to follow Christ, that I wouldn't know him. And so at that point in my life, I just said, you know what? I, something's got to give. You know, I'm in my 40s, professing to follow Christ, and I don't know him. Right? I don't know him. And does anybody ever feel like that? Yeah? And then it kind of this unsettling question is, is this all there is to the life in Christ? Is this all there is? Why is there this gap between what I read in the Bible and what I experience in my life? Right? What's scripture say? Well, the kingdom of God is what? Righteousness, joy, and peace. I like the King James Version of Ghost in the Holy Ghost, but we don't talk about ghosts anymore. So righteousness, joy, and peace in the Holy Spirit. That's in Romans, right? Am I walking in righteousness? Probably. How about joy? Probably not. How about peace? Definitely not, right? And Christ said, you know, ask and you'll receive. Why? So that your joy could be made full, right? So let me just, before I get too far, you want to see revival in Niagara Falls? You want to see revival in your family? You want to see revival in your neighborhood or your work? You got to ask yourself, what do people need to see in me in order to want what I've got? Because right? that's where revival comes. I've seen so many dour Christians who are walking in fear and anxiety and hurt and pain and just discomfort. It's a struggle. And when they walk around, hey, you could have what I want, what I've got. And you go, I don't want anything of what you've got because that's a horrible life. Right? 
Well, what's the Lord calling us to? A life of peace. Right? What's the fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. When we start showing these things in our life, what happens? People are attracted to that. They go, you have something that I need, right? You have something that I need. I need that in my life. Tell me about it. What's the hope, right? And that's what we're told. Be prepared in season and out of season to give uh, the reason for your hope, right? Okay. So I realized, you know, I had to do something. I had to do something. And I made a decision. I made a decision then that I was going to pursue this. And I was either going to find out that what the claims of Scripture were true, or they weren't. And if they weren't true, I wasn't going to follow it anymore. Right? Because I want to live an authentic faith. I want to live a faith based on what Scripture says. And I want to experience it in my life. What's the point if, if it's not that? Right? And I wanted a transformed life. And I wanted to have that when I was in my 40s. So I had 40 years to live it out. Right? And I didn't want to find it when I was 75 and have five years or 10 years to live it out. I wanted to live that life. You know, I hear so much about what we have been saved from. Right? We've been saved from death. We've been saved from punishment. But very little do we hear what we have been saved to. Right? We've been saved to new life. And this is what I wanted. I wanted that, what I've been saved to. I wanted to stop looking at the front door of the mansion and walk inside the mansion and see these magnificent rooms that the Lord has prepared for me. The room of favor, the room of healing, the room of revelation, the room of gentleness, kindness, the room of love. That's what I wanted. But you know, I had a dilemma. Where do you start on something like that? Where do you start? It's not easy, right? I'll tell you where, it was, where in my tradition I grew up with. Doug, the whole answer to spiritual life, Bible study and prayer, okay? All you have to do is read your Bible more and pray more. And I'll tell you, it did exactly the opposite of what I needed. What it did in me, it produced guilt and condemnation. Right? Go, how is Bible study and prayer ever going to produce guilt and condemnation in my life? Well, here's why. I could never read my Bible enough and I could never pray enough. So the accuser, the brethren would come along and say, hey, Doug, you didn't read your Bible yesterday. There's something wrong with you. Right? And I realized I have to do something different. I have to walk away from Doug works. Right? I have to walk away from self-effort. I have to do something different. I have to let the Lord do this. If he didn't do this in me, it wouldn't get done, right? And here's, if you're, I don't know, are you a, a church that remembers stuff or you're a church that writes stuff down, okay? So, so as we go through this, I'm gonna give you a couple um, points that uh, in this, we need to move away from self-works, okay? We need to move away from self-works. And we need to let the Lord do what only the Lord can do, okay? I can't change myself. Only he can change me, right? So as I was praying through this, um, I came to a couple realizations. 
is that the first realization was I was, I had this desire to live in full sonship without being a full son. Now, I'll give you a picture of this here. Um, you've seen people wading in water up to their waist. You can see that, right? Well, that was me. That was the river of God. You're familiar. You've been taught on the river of God, right? The river that flows out of the throne. I was up to my waist in the water. And I'll tell you what, the part from my waist down, great. But the part from my waist up that wasn't living in the river of God, that was the problem. Because this was the independent duck, right? The self-sufficient duck, the judgmental duck, right? The duck that could figure out all by himself. The duck that was in conflict with the duck that was in the water. So, I, I came to, um, to this conclusion. First, I needed to know, uh, at an intimate level, I needed to know Jesus Christ. But even more importantly, I needed to know God as Father. Right? And I, and I, I would give a word of encouragement to this church that in your pursuit to know Jesus with intimacy, if you really want to do that, he will lead you into intimacy with the Father. Okay? There is no fullness in Christ. I'm just telling you, there is no fullness in Christ without intimacy with the Father. John Calvin said this, the primary purpose of Jesus Christ's ministry was to introduce us to God as Father, right? So you read through the Gospels. This, this will not be a surprise to you. You read through the Gospels. Jesus, teach us to pray. Our Father, right? Matthew 6. Here's how you pray. You go into secret, and your Father, who is in heaven, your Father, Christ says, your Father, who's in heaven, sees what you do in secret, and he will reward you. Ask your father, right? I, God's not confused. I don't want you to think that, I, that it's semantic, but as we mature, as we mature, a language of intimacy should be emerging in our life. And the language of intimacy needs to be bracketed around God as father, right? This is why scripture says, look, he cries, Abba, Father. That's our spirit cries, Abba, Dad, Father. He's calling, he's turning us to that. That's what we need to do. So in your search for intimacy, in your pursuit of intimacy, let the intimacy of the Father rise up inside you. When that happened to me, it set me free. Right? It set me free. And it will set you free as well. If you want to take your life to that next level, pursue intimacy. So one of the best books that I've read on this was a book by Brendan Manning. If you want to write this down, The Furious Longing of God. The Furious Longing of God by Brendan Manning. I wept as I read it, right? And this was about how our Father's heart is turned to us. He hungers for it. It's like John 1, 3, or 1 John 3, verse 1. How great is the love the Father has lavished on us, okay? We have a Father who's lavished love on us, right? 
And what is it that we should be called children of God? Right? So, so build that. Now, as I was going through, I realized that uh, I needed to, I needed to change. And so I, I embarked over a few week period on two prayers, okay? And so let me ask you to write these two prayers down, okay? The first prayer is what I call the make me prayer. And the make me prayer is, Lord, do whatever it takes to make me the man, if you're a woman, write down woman, <laughs> that you want me to be, okay? And if while you're doing it, I cry out to stop, ignore me, okay? Ignore me. So Lord, I give you permission to do whatever you need to do in my life to make me the person you want me to be. And if I cry out to stop, ignore me. Now I tell people that, I say, look, this is what I prayed. And people go, oh, Doug, that's a brave prayer. You can imagine that, that's a brave prayer, right? Until I stop and ask them, well, what's the alternative, right? If I really want to be Christ-like, that's what he wants for me, right? If I want to be transformed into the image of him, I got to let him transform me into the image, right? To do what only he could do. And then I realized that I needed to walk in submission and I needed to walk in surrender. So the second prayer is, it was the prayer of I surrender. And what I did is I developed a list of those things in my life, uh, every year of my life, and I walked through this prayer. I said, uh, Lord, I choose to unconditionally surrender. And I went over this over the course of three weeks or so. Um, I unconditionally surrender our finances to you, okay? Now here's the thing. I didn't just surrender the good things that I was holding on to. I surrendered everything, the bad things. Our finances were like a disaster. And I just said, Lord, I surrender that disaster to you. You know, if you can't figure this out, we got no hope. Right? Um, and then our house, I surrender that to you. My work, I surrender that to you. My prayer, my, my, um, uh, my business, what I do, my health, everything. I just surrender that. I named them specifically and I spent each back and forth from work, I was praying one. And it got down to the two hardest ones. And this is where I questioned my wisdom on doing it while I was uh, driving, because I was driving 120 kilometers an hour on the Queenie, back and forth. And the, the, the second last one was, Lord, I surrender my hopes, my dreams, and my ambitions to you. Do with them as you please. That's prayer. Do with them as you please. I give them to you for forever. And really what I was doing is I was giving him my future. Whatever he wanted, he could have. Whatever he wanted to do with them. And that was hard for a guy who's ambitious, right? And I'm ambitious, or I was. Um, but the very last one was, and I remember um, as I did this, tears were streaming down my face, okay? Now, it's not a good idea to be driving 120 on the Queen E where you can't see because of tears. But it was, Lord, I choose to give you my children, right? Do with them as you please. That was hard for me because I'll tell you why. I was afraid. I was afraid of what the Lord would do. Lord, 
would you take one of my kids for your glory? Oh, I don't know how I'd live with that. But Lord, do with them as you please. I get teared up right now just thinking about that, right? And I go, Lord, it's up to you, Father. Whatever you want to do. Whatever you want. I, because I want you, right? Now, I'll tell you, my kids have turned out incredible. Like I was talking at a men's conference a little while ago, and I, and I was telling that story, and I felt the Lord stop me mid-sentence and say, Doug, how do you think I did? And I said, Lord, you did awesome. Just awesome, right? And I tell you, everything that I have given to him, he has made better, okay? And that's the trust we can have in surrender. This is the rekindling, okay? The rekindling into full sonship, the rekindling into full daughtership, okay? Christ being fully formed in us. Now, um, I, I want to give you kind of a, a little picture of what it was like, okay? For people who think in pictures and not words. A few years ago, I was out in Canmore with uh, my grandkids and Evelyn. Evelyn's, oh, she's a little mischievous sometimes, but she's a sweetheart, right? She was three, and we're walking along, it's the middle of August, and she, um, she comes and stands right here in front of me, facing me, and here's what she does. And I look down at her in a gruff, in a gruff ground. What do you want, little girl? Right? And you know what she said to me? You, Grandpa, I want you. Right? And, and you know what happened. I picked her up. I carried her around, whatever she wanted that day. And to this day, I still will do that for her. Right? Because she stole my heart. Right? And I realized that's what I need to do with Father. I need to stand before him. Doug, what do you want? I want you, Father. I want you. I want you, Jesus. I want you. Right? Give me yourself. I give myself to you. And that is the prayer of rekindling. Right? I give myself to you without reservation. Right? Make me the person that you want me to be. This is rekindling, right? It overflows into generosity. It overflows into peace. It overflows into joy. Andrew, I know you told me the time I had to stop. I can't remember what it was. Lots of time, okay. Um, so I, I, it would, So my life has changed. The Lord has taken me on a really interesting journey now, okay? It's not always been easy, I have to say that. And it's not been easy because there was so much in me that was, just, was damaged, right? There's no other way to say that. I needed healing. I needed freedom, right? So I'll just give you a couple of examples. Um, I was, uh, I've been known to be critical and judgmental, right? And especially towards Christian leaders. Right? Man, you wouldn't want to be around me if you, if you had a bad sermon. Not that that would ever be you. But I'll tell you, here's, one day I was waiting on my father, and he asked me this question, Doug, how do you feel when people criticize your children, right? Well, it upsets me a lot, you know, and all candor, like I want to punch their lights out. In a Christian way, of course, right? <laughs> but you know what he said to me, Doug? 
How do you think I feel when you criticize my children? Right? Wow. Right? I'll tell you, I teared up. I said, oh, Father, forgive me. I've been so wrong. And it was cool because then a collage of faces appeared before me, each one radiating the glory of God. And he walked through and he started telling me about this person and that person and how precious they were, each one of them. And those were the people I was criticizing, right? That's the healing that comes, you know? Um, healing came through Lindsay. And I'll just tell you, one morning I was getting ready to go to work and I told her, uh, I correct her. You know, that's what dads are supposed to do, right? Because they're the repository of all information. And she said to me, very strongly, she said, Dad, you always have to be right. Well, that cut me to the quick, right? And so I'm going to go talk to the father about this, and he's going to help me. He's going to comfort me. Well, not so fast. What happened? He's, I sat down. I said, well, that was really, that was painful. How could she do that? goes, Doug. You have to be more like me and less like you. Okay, what's that mean? You're wrong a lot. And I don't correct you every time. Right? So there's an overflowing now of that of where the Lord is just taking and speaking into my life the points where I need to be healed and set free. Right? The things that keep me from the joy, the things that keep me chained. That was the journey that led to the story of generosity. Now there's some things that came out of this that I wish in hindsight somebody had taken the time just to tell me what they were. So the first one is, I was brought up in this idea of a bifurcated life. Okay, and what I mean by bifurcated life is there is a higher calling. If you have a higher calling in your life, you go into full-time ministry. And if you don't, you go into business. Right? So this concept of a higher calling, right? And business, well, that was secular, but ministry, that's sacred. And you know, I just, that has smoke. When you smell that, it has smoke all over it. And I'll tell you why. Because when you follow Christ, every part of your life is sacred, okay? If you stay at home looking after kids, that's sacred, if you stock shelves in a grocery store, that's sacred. You go to school, that's sacred. You lay in bed sick, that's sacred. Your whole life is sacred. Okay, and why, why do I say that? It's because we're called into relationship, right? We're called into a family, and we're not called into a family so that we can work. We do work because we're in the family, but there's a teaching that I've seen where, you know, we're created, it's scripture, it says, you know, you're created to do good works, created in Christ to do good works. And what we think about that is the whole purpose of us following Christ is so that we can work. Well, I don't know about you, but when you had kids, and I, when we had kids, it wasn't, hey, Nance, let's have three kids so somebody could do the chores. Right? It wasn't like that. And I dare say it's probably not like that for you when you think of kids, right? What was it like for us? We want to have a family created with a bond of love right? so we can enjoy 
life together. This is what we've been redeemed into. We've been in, redeemed into relationship. Right? Out of that will flow works and all of that stuff. But we have not been redeemed into works. We've been redeemed into relationship. Into relationship where we have, you know, Christ, not just as Lord, but as brother and friend. Right? What, what did Jesus say to the, um, I don't call you, whatever that was, I call you friends. Right? And we, we're called into friendship with our Father. Right? We're called into sonship and daughtership with our Father. And what, what does that allow us to do? When we stand before our Father, in Luke 11, it talks about we can come with shameless audacity before him, right? And I was asking the Lord about that the other day. I go, Lord, how does that actually work, Father, on shameless audacity? He goes, Douglas, come on, let's think about this together. Do you think there's anything I don't know? <laughs> well, no, you're, you know everything, right? Well, do you think I don't know how you feel or what you're thinking? So just say what you feel and what you think. It's not going to surprise me. You are never going to catch me off guard, right? So I come. But he said, but here's the thing. And I'll just give you this. Uh, um, check your heart first. If you're coming asking with shameless audacity, check your heart first. Why are you asking for that, right? Is it, are you asking for this so that it lines up with my heart? Or are you asking for a different reason? But if it lines up with my heart, come, son, ask with boldness. Ask with boldness. So, so, so we're redeemed into relationship, not works. We've talked about intimacy. Oh, if I could just, I'll reemphasize it. Intimacy with the Father is awesome, okay? You know, and this is where Hebrews 12 comes, where um, those he loves, he disciplines, right? This is how we know that we're the sons and daughters of God, because he disciplines us. And why does he do that? To produce a harvest of righteousness. And I have been disciplined, I have to tell you. I feel like I'm heaven's bad boy sometimes with the amount of discipline I get. But you know, there is a, there's the gentleness of the discipline of our Father, that it's done in love and care. And it never destroys, it builds up. This is the call of the gospel. This is the simplicity of the gospel, right? We've, we, sometimes we make the gospel so complex, right? And we put burdens on people. Oh, just read your Bible more, pray more, do this work, do that, do the other thing. When it's a call of Christ, hey, are you weary? Are you heavy laden? Come. Come on to me, all of you, right? Learn from me. That's the call of the gospel. It's that simple. And if I could just go back and turn back the hands of time for myself, I would have tried to move all that complexity out of the simple call of Christ to follow. Lord, I surrender everything I have. Make me what you want me to be, and I'll follow you. I might not follow you perfectly, but I'm going to do the best I can. And here's the really cool thing. I'll give you something that I was reading in Charles Spurgeon. He, uh, it really struck me a long time ago, and it stuck with me. He, he painted this picture of uh, a millstone. You know, you do the, the grinding and stuff like that. And He had a picture of men uh, pushing this around, crying out how hard it was. Oh, this is difficult. They'd fall down, they'd get back up, and they'd push and push and push and push until something happened. 
that person fell down and said, I can't get up, I can't do it anymore, right? I can't do it anymore. And what happened at that point? The angel of mercy came and picked that person up and they were redeemed from the works. Because we put so much on ourselves to say, I have to do this. I have to manufacture this, this feeling inside of me that I'm in Christ, that he's doing great works, that he's proud of me, that, that I can go from emotional high to emotional high to emotional high. That's not the gospel. The gospel is a consistency in the Lord. Day by day, moment by moment, it's hearing the voice of the Father, guided by the Holy Spirit, saying to us, hey, do that. I love you. Don't worry about it. I got you. Okay? Peace. Don't let your heart be troubled. Um, so, um, I'll, I want to give you just a couple practical tools, okay? So, um, the other thing that I've, I've come more and more to, to realize is we, I've tried to live my life where Christ is helping me live my life. You, you guys are familiar with that? Christ helps me. Well, there's, there's a, a, a different level available for us. Okay? And this level is where we let Christ live his life through us, right? And this is when Paul talks about, you know, I can do everything through Christ who strengthens me. This is moving into a, unit, a union with Jesus Christ where Christ is our life, right? So when we need patience, Christ becomes our patience. When we need hope, he becomes our hope. When we need self-control, he becomes our self-control. And there's a simple prayer that I've, I'm praying and that's... Um, I will not live this. Rather, I will let you, Jesus, live it through me. Okay? And you can pray that throughout the day. Right? You're in a difficult meeting, Lord, I'm not going to live this, Jesus. Live this through me. Right? It's that easy. And what happens is as we say that, he comes, he speaks his words through you. He sets your mind at peace. Okay? So that's, that's that. Um... So integral to all of this is um, Nancy and I started a, a, many years ago listening prayer, right? So we spend a little bit of time every morning. We, we slow down, as Andrew said, and we reflect on a piece of scripture, and then we listen. And I'm telling you, um, that has been one of the single greatest changes in my life Spending that time just listening, right? Um, what I see a lot of spiritual um, practice today is let me read through the Bible in a year. I'm not saying you shouldn't read through the Bible in a year, but when you are doing that volume of reading, you never let this, the, the scripture doesn't speak to you. So my recommendation, if you want to try this, is take two or three verses. Read them, meditate them. Lord, what is my portion in these today? What would you have me hear? And then write it down. Okay? People go, oh, writing it down. That's, that's why I asked you to writing down church. Write it down. And, and I say, the reason I write it down is if the, the world's, I don't golf, but if I was a, if it was a golfer and the world's greatest golfer came and said, I'm going to sit right here, Doug, 
I'm going to tell you, whatever you want to know for an hour and a half about your stroke, about the game, whatever it is, you know for sure I would write it down. Why? Because I don't want to forget it. If I'm sitting with the creator of the universe, right, and he wants to tell me something, my goodness, why wouldn't I write that down? So I can remember it and I can go back to it time and time and time again to see what he said. So I would encourage you to write it down. Um, and uh, Andrew was talking last week about spending time. There's a cost associated with it. Do you remember that? And you make it an offering. Well, I'd just like to, to build this one last thought on this. There is a kingdom principle of multiplication, right? And it applies in this situation. We get this idea that we spend time with God, okay? And so you take 20 minutes, you go, oh, I don't really have 20 minutes to spend with God. I don't have 20 minutes to stop and listen. But here's how the principle of multiplication works in this instance. You spend 20 minutes, you get a multiple of 20 minutes back during the day, okay? It's an amazing thing. The things you think would take two hours to do, they're done in 15 minutes, right? The decisions that you have to take, they're done. People, the meetings are, are already planned before you. Time with our Father is time multiplied, okay? So in some ways, if you have a really busy day, you can't afford not to do this, right? Because you get it back in multiples. So... Um, We're drawing um, to an end. Uh, I just want to tell you, the rekindled life is anchored in surrender. The rekindled life is anchored in listening. The rekindled life is anchored in uh, relationship, right? Let, let the rekindled life do that for you. Just say, Lord, you have the words of life. Speak them to me. Just speak the words, Lord, to me. Because that's what I want. I don't want the emotional hit from Sunday to Sunday to Sunday. I don't want that. It's nice, but I don't want that. I want Monday morning, Monday afternoon, Monday night, Monday evening, in the middle of the night. I want, it. I want that, Lord. I want you in my life. I want to be aware of your presence moment by moment. I want to be the person that you call me to be. I want to live life the way you intended life to be lived, right? Because we've been redeemed out of something into something magnificent, right? We have been redeemed into something breathtakingly beautiful, right? And it's ours. It's ours if we just walk into it, right? And it starts, Lord, do that for me. You've done it for others. Do that for me. Well, I could go on. I've got another 70 pages here. But um, the last thought, what does it take? In the, in the simplicity of the gospel, all it takes is yes. Okay? All it takes is yes. Yes, Lord, I'll do this. And not yes at an, an emotional response, but a yes down in your innermost being. Yes, Lord, this is what I want. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord.
you know? And all his promises are what? Yes and amen. Be blessed, church. Thank you. Thank you.